Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and the Warriors beat the Denver Nuggets on a night where Steph passed Wilt Chamberlain as the Warriors' leading scorer of all time, which is a pretty mind-boggling feat, especially when you consider that Wilt Chamberlain obviously didn't play the majority of his career with the Warriors, but he changed the game and also Steph changed the game, but from different parts of the court. Wilt forced them to widen the lane. He just changed the big man game forever. And Steph stretched the court. I mean, look at all the three-point shooters you have now, how much every single guy on the court needs to shoot threes and how deep people jack up shots on the regular, all because of Steph. That's crazy to me. I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. I mean, the guy's nuts, man. Can you imagine if he had a better supporting cast? <laughs> anyway, this was a good win. It was nice, actually, to see the Warriors' offense kind of flowing because obviously they ditched the pick-and-roll stuff they were doing to accommodate James Wiseman, who we'll get to in a second. But yeah, solid win. And there's actually a good chance that the Warriors have a better shot in making the playoffs, at least the play-in games, than they did with Wiseman out there because those lineups with Wiseman were a little rough on the plus-minus. But one thing about this Steph game and so many of his games this season is that, man, it really, really sucks that he missed a whole season of basketball last year and this season is missing a whole season of basketball with fans. I mean, these are things that would have been nice to have seen in front of a packed Oracle crowd, but obviously there's a pandemic and there's bigger problems going on in the world. And I'm just thankful that there's basketball in general. So the James Wiseman injury, as of right now, they're still getting opinions on treatment and the best ways to go about his meniscus injury, whether or not it's a tear, a lot of people are confirming. Warriors PR is not confirming that word tear just yet, but you know it's probably a tear. So the last podcast, I was hoping that Wiseman had just bruised his knee, bumped it a little bit, and they were going to hold him out for a while out of an abundance of caution. But pretty soon after I posted that, it was revealed he had a meniscus injury. And right now it could be either four to six weeks or five to seven months. 
really depending on the severity of it. I have my fingers crossed. I'm a little nervous. The fact that they haven't decided just yet means that they're not exactly sure. And they're trying to find out if it is really that bad. Like maybe it's been diagnosed as bad, but they're trying to find out if it's actually really that bad. I don't know. We'll see. These are the things that go through my head when uh, when there's a warrior's injury or anything like that. But it sucks, man, because he was just getting into a rhythm. And I've talked about this before. All the flack he catches, all the pressure he feels. I mean, imagine if Wiseman didn't miss training camp. Imagine if he didn't hurt his wrist more specifically because he was in a rhythm. He was getting used to coming off the bench, finding his niche, and getting good at what he can do right now. Lobs, dunking the ball, being active on defense and learning and just getting those reps in general. And then he misses the COVID test. And then he has to sit out a few games because of COVID contact tracing. I mean, the guy's season is just stop and start, stop and start, stop and start. So we know, I mean, we saw that he was, after a few games, coming back into his comfort zone, coming into his own. The Warriors had adapted their offense to suit him a little bit better. And they were getting used to playing with each other again. And then it stops. I really hope that at least he gets a summer league and that he gets to just get some reps against teams and levels of competition that will help him develop and help him feel more confident and just to see and experience what the Warriors offense is like without all the pressure. Fingers crossed. I mean, that was that was a devastating blow over the weekend. And hey, you know, I guess on the bright side, it takes some pressure off of him, you know, like all this rookie pressure and, and living up to expectations. But that bright side is only if he can come back in a month, month and a half and start working out again and start playing again. If he's out for all the off season, most of it or something, I mean, he's going to come back right where he was before. Then you could just calculate the number of minutes of basketball he's played in the previous two years. And it's a fraction of what any normal kid his age would have done. I'm thinking positive thoughts and hopefully all that works itself out, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, the Warriors, they might actually have a better chance of making the playoffs because they don't have to accommodate Wiseman in the offense, that they can just go back to their read and react offense a little bit. They won't get far, (laughs) not with a center lineup of Looney, Draymond, JTA, Maybe Pascal when he gets back, all those dudes are either short or groundbound. Groundbound being um, Looney. <laughs> Maybe they'll sign somebody. They they said they might, and they could. So depending on who's out there, their best shot is the playing round at this point. And you know if they just get consistency, and any night you have Steph and Draymond for these last eighteen games or so. I mean, I give them a great shot, and I think that would be helpful to make the playoffs, even if. Wiseman isn't going to be out there to experience it. It'll be good just for the vibe of the team and for them to witness, for the young guys and the newer guys to witness what that feels like, especially if there's some fans there, whether or not it's on the road or at home. I mean, just getting that energy, you know, and sensing that, giving them something tangible to strive for as a goal, that'd be cool. I mean, their own draft pick 
will suffer, but whatever. I mean, they could sure they could still take a flyer on BJ Boston or maybe Zaire Williams will still be around. Another thing is I said a few episodes ago that, hey, check it out. Draymond Green can still score if he wants to, when he wants to. I'm not depending on his three-point shot, although he hit a couple against the Nuggets, but I think he can get a couple floaters, do a couple post-ups, a couple cuts to the basket just to keep defenses honest. And he did that. He had like 18 points. So please keep doing that. Again, he's probably realizing maybe Steph told him or Steve Kerr or somebody was like, dude, I need you to like shoot the ball. I need you to score because Clay ain't out there. Kevin Durant ain't out there. So, you know, put the ball in the damn basket. I mean, yes, his three-point shot, it's not that great. You know, it left him. There was that one 73-win season where he shot like 38%. That was an aberration. But just because that went away doesn't mean the rest of his offensive game went away. It's never been spectacular, but it's been solid. He could take a little guy. He's so good at taking little dudes in the post and scoring. He has pretty good touch. He's always had good touch. That doesn't go away. So that will help them if... He continues to do that. That'll help them to make this stretch run. Another thing to look out for, and I've been talking about this almost like a broken record, but the Timberwolves are playing better now that they're all healthy. And they're trying to win because they have talent and they need to prove, I mean, their fan base and the vibe around there is just, has just been depressing. It's very nineties era golden state warriors. And they want to win. They have pieces. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, even Ricky Rubio, right? They're not at a point where they're just trying to tank. They have pieces, so they're already trying to improve. But the teams like the Rockets, the Pistons, the Magic, the Cavs, the Thunder, even the Wizards, those teams want to tank. And it's not like the Wolves are going to skyrocket out of the lottery But right now, the Houston Rockets are tied with them for last place. This is the first time in months that someone's been tied with the Wolves for last place. And we saw the Rockets. They're god-awful. On a talent level, the Wolves are way better. And if there's a motivation level with the Wolves, the Rockets are going to end up worse. So the Wolves are 14-40. The Rockets are 14-40. The Pistons are 16-38. The Magic are 17-37. The Cavs are 1934. Okay, so let's just take the Magic, the Pistons, and the Rockets, right? In the loss column, the Timberwolves are tied with the Rockets, two games behind the Pistons, and three games behind the Magic. Honestly, I can see the Wolves digging out from at least the last place spot until like fourth to last. I can see them jumping ahead of those teams. And my friends, that will really, really, really screw the Minnesota pick for the Warriors, because as I've said, the last place team is guaranteed one through five. They can't get six, seven. They're guaranteed the fifth pick as the worst pick. And this is a five player draft. If they end up second to worst, second to last, then it goes to one to six. Third to last, it goes from one to seven. If they get jumped by Houston, Detroit, and Orlando, and they end up fourth to last, the pick can be up until the eighth spot. And in general, that's fine, but not this year. Because once you miss out on Suggs, Kaminga, Green, whomever, I mean, then it's just a crapshoot, really. Like, it's a developmental crapshoot 
or you find somebody that is really, really good at one thing and can just do that. I've been talking about this for a while and Minnesota is not great, but we need them to be really, really bad. That's something to keep your eye on. I know I will because that's like our second season pretty much this year. Lastly, it sucks that Jamal Murray tore his ACL. That looked pretty bad when it happened. And, oh man, that's such a bummer. That's such a bummer because he had such a coming out party in the bubble in the playoffs last year. He looked like he was kind of taking that leap. He looked like he was in pain when he hit the floor. And the same, <laughs> under the same basket where Wiseman hurt his right knee, injured his meniscus. It sucks too because the Nuggets were playing really well. Uh, they just traded for Aaron Gordon and he looked like he was fitting in just fine. They were probably going to be a serious threat to the Clippers, to the Lakers in the West. And if you're a real Warriors fan, when it's not the Warriors year, anybody that could beat the Clippers and the Lakers is somebody that you root for. But yeah, it's a bummer. If it's a year out, it's going to bleed into next season in terms of how long Murray is sidelined. So that's rough, man. That's rough. But he's young and hopefully he can come back to be the same player he was before. It sucks, man, especially in the final 50 seconds of the of the game. I mean, I get it. It can happen at any point in the game, and the Nuggets were still in it. They'd come back. They were down single digits, maybe like seven points, and they were going for it. I mean, it's what they should do, compete, try to win. If he doesn't go down, maybe they do. Yeah, that's, that's tough, man. Anyway, the Warriors get the Oklahoma City Thunder, and... Of course, you want the Warriors to beat them, but I'm like, oh man, if the Thunder win, that helps the potential Minnesota pick. But yeah, these are the weird things you think about when when your team is mediocre or worse. Anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to listen and subscribe and leave us a rating. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.